You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Follow Weather. The birds you hear in the background are flickers, a kind of woodpecker, and I am standing in front of a flight cage in our house, and I'm looking at six of these birds. They're orphans. They look like adults, but they're still youngsters. We're still feeding them with a syringe. The next step in the process is to move them outdoors to a flight cage and to teach them to eat on their own. When they reach that stage, course the next thing is we're going to let them go. Now this is a time of year when birds all over the country are nesting and raising young but there's also a lot of storms and birds are getting knocked out of their nests and people are finding them. So the subject of this week's episode of what were you thinking is what do you do if you find a baby bird? This week, as on most weeks, I'm being joined by my wife, Linda, as my co-host. Hi, Linda. Hello. Linda and I volunteer for a wildlife rehab center in Grand Rapids. Linda does 95% of the work, maybe 99%. Oh, I don't know about you. do a lot of things. And well, every summer for wildlife rehab center, we raise and release orphan songbirds. Some of these birds fall or are pushed out of their nests. Some of the birds are abandoned by their parents for one reason or another, and some of them come to Wildlife Rehab Center because the nest has been disturbed by humans. How does this happen? Well, a tree is cut down, or a nest that's been built in what people consider an inconvenient place, like um, on top of their RV or on their garage or something. Uh, Those people might destroy the nest, and If they have a pang of conscience, occasionally they'll bring the nest to peg or maybe a neighbor will find it or or something. And when you get to that point, the baby birds have to be fed. That is the immediate priority. The next step, of course, they have to talk to eat on their own and finally they have to be released. But they have to be released not just anywhere, but in an appropriate habitat. And we'll be talking about that a little more too. I do want to start off by mentioning that there are only three wild bird species which you can legally raise and release. And these are the three so-called introduced species. And and I'm saying legally unless you have a permit. The three species that anybody can legally raise and release are starlings, pigeons, and house sparrows. There's lots and lots of kinds of sparrows, but house sparrows are the familiar birds that are in the city that uh, are on your lawn and all over the yard. All of these species were brought here from Europe in the 19th century and they're not protected by the government. This strikes me as quite odd since other introduced birds like mute swans and ring-necked pheasants, they do have some measure of government protection, 
But for some reason, starlings, pigeons, and house sparrows don't. And I think they've been here long enough that uh, there ought to be some conservation for them. And these three birds are also legal to be kept as pets, just as an aside. So if you find a starling, pigeon, or house sparrow, you can legally raise and release it if you have the know-how. You can't legally do this with any other bird without a permit. But obviously, if you find a wild bird that needs help right away, you should do everything that you can for it. And with baby birds, that means feeding them until you are able to find a licensed rehabber in your area. Okay, how do you find a licensed rehabber? I, I think the easiest thing to do is to Google wildlife rehab in the name of your city and state and you know see what turns up on the web. Also, uh, what do you think, Linda? Call them the Humane Society? That's a very good idea. They probably would know rehabbers in the area. Yeah. Um, so, <coughs> Humane Society, Animal Shelter, or I think even the zoo, right? Because um, That's a good idea. They'd probably know someone. Yeah, because uh, Wildlife Rehab Center, um, they, they do some work with, with the zoo because sometimes they'll <laughs> get an owl or something, and the owl is injured, and it can't be released, but it ends up at the zoo. So it's possible that if you have a local zoo or somewhere in the area that they know about rehabbers. They would know. Mm -hmm. Let, let's say that you're out in the yard, and you find a baby bird. The first thing you should do, you shouldn't immediately just take the bird in the house, should you? No. If you can uh, find uh, a lower limb on the branches right where it fell from, try to put the nest back up in the branch. The mother is hovering around there. She will go back to that nest. It, it, sometimes even I've seen it in a, a magazine where they strap the nest back in. It wouldn't sit back on there, but they put it in a margarine dish and then tied it back onto the branch and put the nest in there. There's a variety of ways that you could return that nest to the branch and the mother would still take care of the babies and that's the best way really. Right, and now if the whole nest hasn't fallen down but just the bird, you might be able to look up and see the nest and try, try and reach try it. Try to get on a ladder and go up there and put it back if it's possible. Don't believe that old wives tale about if you touch a bird, the mother bird can smell it and will never not, come back. Not to true. No, not, not true. No, they don't care one bit. They about care it. a lot about their babies, and they are going to continue to take care of their babies. And birds aren't any more smell oriented than we are. They're nope. they're they're about the same, maybe a little less. Of course, be careful if you're climbing a ladder or climbing a tree. But uh, I remember Linda, you very heroically uh, several years ago, we had some chimney swifts fall down our chimney and we were able to take them out in the basement and Linda actually climbed up on our roof and climbed up to the chimney and wired the nest back in and that was um, I couldn't have done that you you did a you did a great job yeah. now some scared me <laughs> uh, the other thing we want to caution you about as far as just grabbing a baby bird is that sometimes you might run into a baby bird that's old enough to be out of the nest but it's obviously still a baby bird. It, it can't fly. Maybe maybe it shouldn't have been out of the nest at that point. But It's trying to learn. Yeah. It may be a half a day away from flying on its own. I, I mentioned this in particular because a few weeks ago we were out by our duck pen and I, I kept hearing a bird and I didn't know where it was coming from. And finally Linda kept saying, well Linda kept saying it, it sounds like it's right down here and I, I ignored her. I figured it can't be there. And finally, I, I, I listened to Linda and listened to my ears, and there in some weeds right next to the duck pen, there was a baby song sparrow. And it couldn't fly yet, but it was fully feathered, and it pretty looked pretty close. good. And it was chirping to be fed. Now, we didn't take that bird and run into the house because 
one thing that clued me off, that, that clued me into what was going on, was I saw Mother's song sparrow, and she had an insect in her beak, and mm-hmm. she was waiting for us to get the heck out of she there. She was feeding that baby. Mm-hmm. And I think for the next couple days, I saw her hanging around, and I, I heard the baby chirping. Right. And she was feeding it. She was feeding it. So, so a fully feathered juvenile bird that can't fly yet, but which has a mother nearby, is usually safe. Just and leave it alone. Yeah, unless, unless there's, there's a cat cats or something in the yard. Like. Keep the cat in the house for a couple days. Yeah, but a baby bird that doesn't have its feathers and that is obviously in need of immediate help, well, you should act right away. Definitely. That's what the show about. And uh, Linda, why don't, you, why don't you talk about, you know, the, the first things that you do? Well, you have to get some kind of container for these babies. I use margarine dishes to put them in with a, a little a paper towel or something because you have to change the paper towel every time you feed them. They go to the bathroom a lot, so you want to change that paper towel every time you feed them. And then you uh, put them in there, maybe two, it depends on the size of the bird. You can generally put, if they're small, you can put two or three in a margarine dish. I like to use Cool Whip or margarine dishes. Um, The medium or the small is okay. It just depends on the size of the bird. And then you need a larger container with a handle to, if you have to transport them from room to room, that you can carry them around in. And you want to maybe put a newspaper in the bottom of that larger containers so that if they jump out and get and that get that dirty, you can clean. Just take the newspaper out. So and then what I do is I feed them the slurry mixture. A lot of birds can eat the slurry mixture. Just about all of them, I think, except for pigeons. And we we haven't done pigeons. Pigeons are a completely different thing, and we're not going to talk about them. I think they're pretty hard. But now the seed-eating birds, you are supposed to add Exact. That's a product that you can get at the uh, pet stores. Just It's a just-add-water product. Yes, and it's for seed-eating birds. But other birds, insect-eating birds, this will work for any of them. And I actually think that most of the insect-eating birds or the uh, seed-eating birds that could have this too with just a little bit of Exact added to it. Yeah, I, I really think all birds are pretty safe with this at least. This is a real good mixture to feed baby birds. Um, I You put this in the blender, you get kitten chow, Purina kitten chow, and you get chicken baby food. Uh, uh, I know the one lady I talked to, she puts a couple jars, it just depends on the amount that you're making in there. You put one or two jars of chicken baby food. And that, that's not with any potatoes or anything, and that is just it's pure chicken, chicken. with a little bit of gravy maybe, it just says chicken with gravy. Kind of looks like chicken pudding, doesn't it? Uh-huh, it's, yeah. And um, you take, you have to get some liquid vitamin. Now, if you use the exact, that actually has vitamins in it for the seed eaters. But otherwise, you have to get some children's liquid vitamins with the eyedropper. And so when you're making this, I, I've done it for so many years, I don't know the exact measurements, but I can tell you approximately. You put in up above the one cup mark. Uh, this will make a, mar- a, a Cool Whip dish full, which is you don't want too much more than that because it would go bad on you anyways. So you want just about that amount. So that's a, this This makes just about that amount, a Cool Whip dish. Not the not the largest one, but that average size Cool Whip dish. You want to put one, one or two uh, jars of the chicken baby food. Or one lady, a friend said that she puts one uh, jar of the chicken and one jar of applesauce in there. And uh, you put... um, When you say a jar, it's really the same measure as the baby food, right? Right, the baby food jars. You put a uh, 
a jar of the chicken baby food and a jar of the applesauce. I just put a jar of the chicken baby food. And you put it, I just pour some in of the kitten chow. Above the one cup mark, I'm going to say about one and a half cups uh, inside the blender. And then you put enough water, you turn that on blend, and you put enough water in there, I'd say about two or two and a half cups uh, of the water until it really gets blending well. You always tell if you don't have enough of the uh, water because it doesn't blend well. You want to put like, oh, oh, up to the two and a half cup mark or so of that or more so that it gets the consistency of cream of wheat or a little bit thinner than that. That's the, you want it kind of finished but not too thin, about cream of wheat consistency. Then you put a few drops, maybe four or five uh, drops of this liquid children's fine. Not too much or it makes the birds too hyper. And you keep blending it till it's a nice, smooth, creamy consistency, and then pour it in your Cool Whip dish. And that's the mixture that you're going to be feeding them. Okay, so let's remind people again the ingredients that they need for that. They need... Uh, chicken baby food. Chicken baby food. They need uh, kitten chow. Those kitten are kitten chow, kibbles. Purina. Yes, kitten chow. If you're going to do the seeding bird, you can get this exact and add that to the mixture. It adds extra vitamins in, for, to the mixture. But uh, liquid, liquid, the, liquid, liquid, vi, liquid children's vitamins. And water. And water. Okay, so, so the essential ingredients are the kitten kibbles, the chicken baby food, um, yep. vitamins, and water. Yep. And, and that's or the applesauce, if you want to put applesauce yeah. in there. Yep, and you put those in a blender until they're, it's kind of soupy, but it's still sort of thick. It has to be soupy enough. It can't be enough. too thick or it's too hard, to, and you have to have a 2cc syringe for the bigger birds, or if you're doing the smaller birds, you want a 1cc syringe. So the the Pretty much the skinniest syringe you can find anywhere is for the little birds. And you can tell because they have little mouths. And then for the larger birds, I think like starlings and things like that and anything larger than that. The 2cc. The 2cc syringe. And what what would you say? It's about as far around wide as a normal, like a big pen or, a, you know, a, if they still make big pens. But like a normal ballpoint pen you'd get at the uh, store. They're a little bit you thicker than that. You can get them that. from, now your rehabber, if you have any in the area, will have some that they would probably give you or you could buy from them. Or the drugstore has them, too. They might want to take the tip of it off, and you don't want them to think you're a drug user or something. You can just explain that you're doing uh, baby bird work. Yeah, I went to our local uh, Meyer store here, and they had a pharmacy, and I explained what we were doing and asked you know, for some syringes, and they were just They're fine okay about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah, and our vet gave us some, the vet up the street. So yeah. th- that's pretty good. So um, we should also mention... Um, we'll, we'll talk about the feeding again. I mean, there's there's a lot to say about that. But before we come up against our break, um, we we're talk we talked about housing the bird in in the dish. But you may have to keep the bird warm, isn't that right? That's the thing too. I forgot to say, if it's uh, cooler weather and at night they don't have feathers, you want to put a heating pad under the container that they're in. And, uh, I think all day and all night. Yeah. And you have to keep it on low. And also those things have a tendency to get too hot sometimes. You want to put a layer of towel, a towel or something. Or magazines. Or magazines and feel it and feel if there's too much heat. You want it to be just a mild heat. Just a heat, little bit Just warm. a little bit warm. You want to keep something in between the thermostats. So sometimes go wrong on those things. You want to be very careful about that. 
So that's why it's very good to put magazines or towels in between the container and the uh, birds, and that yeah. keeps them nice, nice. Yeah, and warm. I can't believe how many magazines we've ended up with putting between the heating pad. Even the heating pad on low, we sometimes put five or six or so magazines, and then we have the container and down. It's still too warm. It, and you wonder if warm. the thermostat goes on them after a while or something. If you keep them on that many hours, sometimes they don't do too well. And, with that. and if you're going to buy a heating pad just for this purpose, beware of heating pads. There are so many out there now that automatically switch off after 15 minutes or a half hour. And so if you have a baby bird, you know, in cooler spring or, you know, spring months that you're taking care of and uh, you have a heating pad under it in the middle of the, you know, you turn it on for the night and then goes you know, off on a half time. hour and then you got a bird that's in real trouble that's, because you don't want birds that. without feathers I think need the heating pad they do. almost the no ma- matter what mother the would matter. be sitting on them keeping mm-hmm. them warm they need something to replace that the one thing I forgot to say was this friend of mine said she sometimes adds a half a cup of hard boiled egg to the mixture it just makes it have more protein and it's this if you okay. have it that's a nice thing yep yep okay so we're going to take a break now for a word from our sponsor And when we get back, we're going to talk about, we've told you about how to prepare the food. Now, now comes the fun part, and that is feeding your birds. So uh, we'll be right back. What were you thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Does your dog have problems walking with its back legs? If so, your dog is one of 58 million dogs that suffer with problems with its rear leg. Problems such as spinal myelopathy, arthritis, and hip dysplasia. Bottoms Up Leash helps your dog walk. It's a rear support harness that has won numerous awards, such as Dog Fancy's Editor's Choice Award, as Product of the Year, and it's been featured on CBS and Good Morning America. Visit the website www.seniorpetsupplies.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Fluff your feathers, roll out your tongue, shine your fins, snap on your leashes, and grab your human. It's the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo. Two full days of pet-tastic fun that no pet lover should miss. Join us for shopping, the Barks and Couture Fashion Show, Dream Pet Wedding, Ultimate Pet Makeover, Pet Communicator, Rescue Me Pet Adoption, Service Dog Demonstration, and tons of fun contests. Bring your pets and join us at the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, Saturday, September 27th, and Sunday, September 28th, at the Kentucky Expo Center. For more information, go to LouisvillePetExpo.com. Here's the story of a lovely lady who is bringing up three very lovely goals. 
Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things. That's the way we became the birdie bunch. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, welcome back to What Were You Thinking? And as you know, since you've been listening, we're talking about what to do if you find a baby bird. Linda, how do you feed the birds now that you have got this slurry mixture and you've got your trusty syringe with the needle off, of course? What do you do? Typically, they're very hungry. Birds are very hungry creatures usually, and they, what you call gape, they open their mouth up because they want to be fed. The same way they would have inside the nest, they're... They'll stand up in the dish and want to be fed. Boy, so, do they. Yeah, like constantly. So you stick the syringe in there, depress the plunger, and fill it up. And you put this, you don't put so much as what I did. When I first started doing this, I put too much in their mouth, and it would slop out on their feathers and stuff. You want to be, it, I found out over time, it's much better to put just a little bit. You shove it down, far enough down their throat so it'll go in the crop. And a little bit, I would say, what would you say, an eighth of a syringe or something like that? Just just, a little bit. Just put a little bit. Just a little bit, and then pull it out, go to the next one, put a little bit in, pull it out, and go through, depending how many birds you got, and then go back to the first one, do it again. You want to feed them until they're not, until they're full, until they're not gaping anymore. They'll just shut up after a while. Now, let's talk a little bit about what you're saying about putting it into the crop. And that's an interesting thing, is that you don't just... Put the the syringe into In the, the beak into the mouth of the bird. They just go Generally, the their mouth and their throat will be open, and you will find that the syringe it'll surprise you. It'll go way down into their throat. There's a pouch there called a crop where they store the food, and so that's where you want to put it because the mother will also when that's feed what them, she does. Put so it should come just naturally. They'll open their mouth. It just slides down in there. Slide down there, and I don't think you have to worry about choking the birds. I've, no, you just want to push I, it down. It's quite only far. with adult birds that I've ever when we had to force feed a parrot once. It was real kind of tough Easy. trying to put in the right place with baby birds. They seem just to be slides right down there. Baby birds are throats with legs. Uh-huh. That's, that's about it. So they're just they're very mm-hmm. good. At yep. Eating. And and another thing, if you give them too much food. They tend to get too uh, at once. If you give them too much of the syringe at once, they get a lot of the stuff in their mouth. They'll shake their head, and it's before you know it, mess. your house will be whatever room they're in. You'll have decorated walls. Mm-hmm. And they get it all over their feathers. And trust me, when that stuff dries, it's like cement, and it's really hard to get off. It's just a mess. Much better to just put a tiny amount where it goes down the crop. They're not heaving it right and left, and it's much more pleasant experience for everyone involved. So, and so you just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. Say you have they, one bird. You they put quit it, squawking when they've had enough. Yep. So if you have one bird, you give it a little squirt. You let it recover for a couple seconds. Make sure it stay, you know, it stays where it's supposed to be. Then you give it some more. Then you give it some they more. They get a little bit on their beak. Wipe it off with a tissue mm-hmm. or something. Yep. Yep. And, and uh, that's you just keep doing that. And then pretty soon they quit. You know, they, they eventually quit squawking. You know they're full. And then I, when they're tiny babies, I, you know, they're in their margarine. You change their margarine dish. You get a clean paper in there. 
I put like a washcloth over the margarine dishes inside the container because that's like being in and you keep them in the dark. Yeah, it's like the mom sitting on them. It's quiet. It's dark. And I just cover them up till the next time I feed them until they get a little older. And speaking of the next time you feed them, how often do you feed these birds? Every, well, with the little tiny ones, you'd probably want to feed them every hour, hour and a half. With the bigger ones, every two hours. So this is a big commitment, but at least... you got to do it from like 7 in the morning, whatever time you get up, until, unless you get up at 10, that would be too late. Like, uh, you know, 7 in the morning till, what do you say, 7, 8 o'clock at night. Right, right. Uh, luckily, it's not like... Uh, baby squirrels or possums, which I understand you have to feed all yeah, no, night. No, you got a little break there. Yeah, so birds are they're so intense. So for 12 hours straight, you yep. got to feed them every hour and a half to two hours. That's right. Just depending, they really start squawking like crazy, you probably should feed them. That's what you do when they are babies. Tiny. When they are tinies. And then comes the tricky part, doesn't it? Uh, getting them to get, start to feed on their own. They get to a certain phase where they're not happy sitting in that margarine dish or whatever cool whip dish. They're not happy about that. The, you open the container up and they're all over the place and they're wild acting. At that point, you have to put them in another cage, a larger cage. We have a cage downstairs that we've used for years. It's not a fancy thing, but it has a lift off. What would you say? It's about 20, 15 by 20, something like that, cage that lifts off a tray. Yep. Completely lifts up. It makes it it's easy. It's a plastic separate, saying that way you want to clean the paper, you just lift the thing up and pull the paper out. And we have perches. It's two perches, one on each side. So they, if you have, let's say you got eight birds. You put, or let's say you got six birds. You got three on each side facing each other, and that makes it easy when you go and it has a front entrance. Put your hand in there and feed three on the one side, then you feed the three on the other side. You want it so it's easy. They're not necessarily polite about staying where you no, put them, but we're talking about there. we're talking about ideal situation. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you get to a certain stage, we'll, we'll pretend we're talking about starlings now, because that's a that's a bird Common that's easy bird. to keep and legal to keep. So. So you fed them for a while when they were little babies without feathers. Yeah, they, they get, get their point. feathers in. They, they won't start stay getting in the agitated. They get real agitated. You want them to go to a bigger cage once so they start So you put them agitated. in a cage, get them out of the margarine tub, right. put them in a cage, and then they're jumping around. And you then wanna, you finally get to the point where they're getting a little old to be... You want to put them outside too, set them on the picnic table or whatever in a safe place. In the cage. Set in the them cage. In, in the, the cage. cage. Because they need sunlight. sunshine. They actually will be deficient in, is it vitamin D or whatever, some of these vitamins, and they'll have funny feather problems. If you don't put them outside and let them get sunshine when it's available, they will have feather problems. You yeah. want to get them out and keep them in the sun on nice days. Be careful of any dogs Not too much heat, though. Area. Yeah, you don't want them and out. Not in the heat, that's exactly Not right. in the heat or anything like that, but they, they need sunshine, and you got you need to give that to them. Okay, so you finally got your birds to the point where they... They're the size of adult birds. And you can give them water dishes in the bottom of the cage. At mm -hmm. that point, they like to splash around in the water, some of them. But you finally get to the point where they look like adult birds, although they won't have exactly the adult feathering, but they seem full size. But they still want that syringe all the time. But as long as otherwise they are acting like adult birds, in other words, they're not just begging all the time, they're hopping around the cage, they're exploring things, that is the time when you want to start transitioning them to eat on their own. And so how do you do that? Well, you we'll, get, we'll talk about starlings. The mealworms, talk about the mealworms. You get hold of some mealworms and, and fruit. You dice up fruit, little tiny. And, like grapes or and something. And you put that down their throat to get them onto the taste of fruit. Now you put it down their throat how? 
you, you take tweezers, you get some eyebrow tweezers, and you just pick up the fruit, the tiny pieces of fruit. Don't cut it too big. Cut, cut them quite small. Small, like, what would you say? Just tiny. and you know, Maybe fit in their pea mouth. size or a little smaller. A little smaller than that, actually. You, you're, he's really good at cutting up uh, fruit small. But anyway... The mealworms, how would you say to them where to get those? You can oh. get, they're not, ex they're expensive to buy from the pet store. Yeah. Uh, if you have a bait shop, they're expensive there. It's better to order them someplace, yeah. but not everybody has an area where they can Well, get you them. can look online and see where to order mealworms, but... Um, Bait shops have them, pet stores have them. It's kind of expensive to buy them that way, considering how many they eat. But, but you want the birds to be comfortable eating the mealworms, and it's always kind of comical and frustrating with starlings when... You take a mealworm in a tweezer, the bird has its mouth open, expecting its slurry, as usual, expecting the syringe, and then you put a mealworm in it, and in it the out. mouth, and, and they won't know what to do with it. Sometimes yeah. they'll close their beak around the mealworm, and you say, okay, they've got it, and then they open their beak right again, and the mealworm just so, falls down, yeah. and you have to kind of uh, try and kind of stick it down their throat, yep. and after you do that until you're sick tweezers. of it... They'll start to get it, and they if finally figure it out. And if you're lucky, when you hold the tweezer out with the mealworm or fruit on it, that they'll kind of, um, you know, grab it. just grab it. But you put them on the bottom of the cage in a, in a uh, little lid or a bowl or something, because otherwise, them. I'll tell you one thing that those mealworms will do. They'll crawl if you if you put newspapers in there. They'll crawl, you'll think that they've eaten them, and you'll take and clean the cage, and they'll be under the newspapers. Yeah. It's a little little common trick of the mealworms. So you, that's why you put them in a flat dish or a, a lid, lid or... something to keep them in there. And hopefully the starlings or whatever bird it is will get on to eating them in a few days. They, they see them wiggle after a certain point where they've reached a certain de developmental stage. They'll see the wiggling, and they will go after them. It takes mm -hmm. a while. It does take a while. It's you have well. to just keep feeding them to them. They have to get a taste for them. They have to get to that stage where they go after things that wiggle. Once they start pecking those mealworms, that's a real good sign that they're getting closer to be able to be released. Some rehabbers have had good luck. I know Peg told me, I haven't seen her do it lately, but when we first started doing our starlings, Peg at Wildlife Rehab said to feed them crickets. That was a disaster. Yeah, they just we, go all over the place. Yeah, we got a bunch of crickets. <laughs> we put them in the cage. The birds just look at them like, afraid of look them. at that. And they ignore them. And then the crickets, we had crickets all crickets over. you got crickets in the house. Yeah, you got them all over the place. So, um, so that's not always the best. No, I mean, you might you might have luck you with have, them. Yeah, if you have some way to keep them in there. So finally, you come inside, or I mean, you look at your cage, and you notice that your birds are eating pretty well on their own. So that's pretty much the stage you release around. them. They've, they're acting like they can fly. Uh, in our case, we have a, Bob built a flight cage downstairs in our basement that's long. It's, was it five feet long? Quite? Not quite, but it's, 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 long. it's long. So they can practice their flying back and forth and that. There's perches in there on both sides, and they can fly back and forth. And beyond that, we have There's a cage outside. We have a, it's about the size of big, a big phone booth. Yeah, it's old fashioned phone like booth. That, and, uh, we so. have a door, we step inside, <clears throat> and we put them in there, and there's um, logs and perches and things for them. And that's so that they're still protected, and we can still go out and feed them, but that they get accustomed to being outside. Night sounds, night, you know, temperatures outside, mm -hmm. uh, everything like that. Now, you so. don't want to subject a bird to what they say more than a 20 degree difference. No, so you wouldn't want to take it from a hot house to the cold outdoors. They can't take more than a 20 degree difference in temperature. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so once you've had them out there, and once they're um, flying around like crazy and, and acting unhappy, all and the time, eating on their own, eating on their own, then you can yeah. open the door and let them go. If they may come back, that's okay. You just keep feeding them. And if it's the right habitat, so mm -hmm. obviously, if, if you have somehow found yourself with a green heron and you live out on the prairie, don't release it in your yard no, because you it's not going to do any good. So you need to know a little bit about birds to know where to release the birds. Um, like we live by a swamp, and it's not really the habitat for starlings, which we do starlings, but this is not their habitat. So we take them someplace where they like open grassy areas, and it's too swampy here, so we take them somewhere else. Robins are ground feeders, and we've got cats, so we don't really like releasing robins here. Mm -hmm that type of thing. You have to consider uh, where you live. Yeah, we'll what the birds like. Just find out what type of habitat that bird likes that you're raising. We have let robins, or excuse me, starlings go here before because first of all, they will, starlings are birds that will come right back to get fed if they need it. And, and then also, they'll travel a mile or two away. Yeah, it's it is not a grass. Far. It's not a big deal. It's if you have a grassy area nearby. Real close to us, not more than a half a mile, mile or so away. down the street, is a trailer park with big grassy lawns. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they find there. their way there. Yeah, they find their way there. Mm -hmm. so, so it's okay to release stuff like that. But if you got cats that are going outside, you don't want to release some bird that's a ground feeder uh, and where there's uh, cats. You just right, don't want to do right, that. So right. you want to keep that in mind. We basically we only have one cat that goes outdoors, and she doesn't go out all that much, but we're still very careful. Yeah, Franny and Lucy both go out. Yeah, so when we have robins, if Peg, say, uh, from Wildlife Rehab gives us robins, we will raise take them, them back to her. and then we take them back to her, mm -hmm. and, and she, lets that's them, she lets them go that's in their better. yard. Yep. So that's, those are pretty much the basics, and pigeons are difficult. You have to... Um, you have to have a paper cup and cut a hole in it uh, at the bottom the beak, and yeah. they put your beak. Pigeons we've never done and so um, uh, we we can't tell you anything about them. But this this will get you by with most birds. If you have questions... You can always email us also yes. about any problems you're having. You know, we, may, we maybe forgot to say something, just uh, email us. Please don't email us with emergencies if you need an answer right away. Ever so often I'll get an email saying, Help, help, I just found a baby bird. I don't know what to do about it. And I look, and it's an email somebody sent me the night before. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously uh, there's got to be a better way to get information. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it helps to be prepared and maybe think of this now and uh, get information and, and if you found birds before and think you might find them again. But but in general, go ahead and email us at and Linda, Bob and Linda at Bob at Pet Life Radio. Dot com and we can give you information uh, that uh, I, I hope we can. And also, if you would like to be a guest on our show talking about your exotic pet, that's anything other than a cat or dog, then email bob at petliferadio.com. We still want to do a show on people's favorite pet books. Somebody emailed me a while ago about a book uh, a gentleman wrote about having a buffalo in the house. Unfortunately, we had a thunderstorm a couple weeks ago that knocked our power and completely fried my computer. So if that kind soul who emailed me about the Buffalo book would please email me again because I no longer have her email. I wasn't able to... Uh, I recovered most of my files, but I couldn't get my email file. So, so that's it for this week on What Were You Thinking? So thanks so much, Linda, for all your good information. And... Thanks to our mysterious producers who are up in a 
tree somewhere in a nest of their own yes. producing this show. And thanks to our sponsors, and thanks to you for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.